You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore natav. So I am very, very, very upset because I put in a decent amount of work yesterday looking into undrafted free agents and wanting to go through all that, and I left all of that information in a different location that I cannot access. So hopefully that's what we'll be talking about tomorrow. Hopefully. That is, if I decide to get up and do the podcast. And so I am left uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel and trying to quickly scratch together some other thoughts. And um, I'm a little grouchy about it, but that's okay. Such is life. Before I forget again, I want to say thank you very much to TK. Sorry, that's all I have as far as a name. But thank you very much for your support on Patreon. Really, really do appreciate that. I know that this is not um, the easiest time for everybody, but again, the support has not waned even a little bit, and I'm kind of blown away by that. So thank you all very much for that. Speaking of, i got to think of a Patreon giveaway. I haven't even thought about it. I don't know if I want to do t-shirts anymore, because every time I put a t-shirt up on Teespring, they take it down, and that's getting a little annoying, especially when I have to pay for it, and I don't even get to recoup any of the money because they take it down. But anyways, if you got any thoughts, something that would be interesting, let me know. Also, I just clicked on uh, the Facebook group just to kind of look around, and I get this handy-dandy little message. Introducing Messenger Rooms for Groups. Getting the group together has never been easier. Create a room, and members will be able to hang out on video instantly. It's just sitting there. I don't know what to do with that, but it's a thing. If you have any thoughts, let me know. And if I don't know if you can create a room or if I have to do it. I don't know. But it's a thing. If you're able to do it, go play with it, I guess. But anywho, if you do want to support me on Patreon, that would be very lovely of you. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you're able to find the description of this show, which I know you got to click around a little bit sometimes to get there, there are links to all different kinds of things you can do to, to help out the show, all of which would be great. I want to talk about a little bit of uh, outside Green Bay news, because there is a little bit of it. First of all, the big news right now, and I shouldn't even, I guess, be surprised at this point, because it keeps happening, and I keep coming on the podcast saying, why does this keep happening? And then it just keeps happening, and I keep coming back and saying, why is this happening? But it happened again, and I'm going to come back on here and say, why is this happening? Apparently, Giants cornerback, along with now Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, didn't say the guy's name, have been charged with four counts of armed robbery along with four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. One witness says that Dunbar and Baker lost about $70,000 at a party a few days earlier. Now, I don't know if that means they're playing, you know, poker and lost it straight up and then got mad and went and robbed these exact same people or maybe different people just because, hey, we lost money, let's go recoup some. I'm guessing, though, this means that they had people over suspected that $70,000 was stolen from them and went to go take care of it themselves. That's my guess. I don't know. If, if there's been new confirming information or, or whatever in terms of what has actually happened, I don't know. But that's my assumption. The thing that I don't get is how you could be so stupid as to do something like this. 
And I know they've been saying since like the 70s, you got to have a little bit of a weird temperament to be a football player, right? Sort of ball bar brawling types. Got a little bit of an edge to you. But it's one thing to be at a bar drinking and some guy says something to you and you unnecessarily haul off and just bust him right in his mouth. And an entirely other thing to create a situation in which you are throwing your entire life away. There is a report that DeAndre Baker, who is a brand spanking new cornerback, horrific cornerback, by the way, and see, I told you all you needed to draft a corner. Been saying that in my mock drafts for a while. Allegedly, DeAndre Baker told one of the armed men to shoot someone. Now, maybe he just said it to scare people, and maybe these guns didn't, weren't even loaded, and the whole thing was, hey, I'm gonna, you know, we're going to try to scare them, make sure you don't shoot anybody. I don't know. But allegedly... Had he done it, Baker would be facing life in prison or possibly the death penalty just for giving the order. I know it's not the cool thing to do, and I know you're all big and bad and it's it's against some kind of stupid freaking code, but if somebody stole 70 grand from you, call the cops. What are you going to do, lose street cred? Aww, Mr. Multimillionaire isn't cool anymore. These football players remind me of these moms that drive around in these vans with the bumper sticker that says, I used to be cool. Nobody cares! Nobody cares that you used to be cool. Nobody cares about your high school days, and it's kind of pathetic that you still do. How about you be proud of the fact that you're a mom? How about you embrace the fact that you got a van, which is much more functional, and it's it's kind of nice. I got a van. I think that thing is awesome. By the way, SUVs are stupid. What is the purpose? Of it? it's, it's a car that rides up higher. It holds no more stuff or people than a car. But it's like, well, I want like a van, but I want to be cool. Okay, but it's not a van. It doesn't provide any of the functionality of a van. You're just refusing to get a van because it makes you not cool, and it's a dumb purchase, and these things are expensive. They serve no purpose whatsoever outside of possibly say... See, here, I've considered it, and I know I'm... Believe me, it's still a parallel, but just bear with me because this SUV thing also annoys me. I've considered an SUV because I live in Wisconsin, and I had a little tiny car that I used to drive around for many, many years, and it doesn't handle very well in the snow. So I'm looking at it saying, I'd like to have a car that handles well in the snow. You know what that's called? It's called an SUV. There is no such thing as a van that's cool called an SUV. No, no, that's a car that rides up high and has bigger tires. But it's pathetic. Dude, it's, there's nothing wrong with being a mom and being an adult and being a grown-up. Oh, I used to be young and stupid and get drunk all the time, and people liked me. I don't care. Stop ruining your vehicles by putting bumper stickers on them. That thing cost you a lot of money, and you just ruined it with a, with a sticker. What are you, a 13-year-old girl? Get her off your car! What is wrong with you? Now, if you're following along, the point is, you should be proud of the fact that you are no longer, quote-unquote, on the streets. That's a good thing. You now get to move into a neighborhood where everybody scowls at you if you don't take care of the weeds on your lawn. Where Grandma Judy over there calls the cops because the kids are playing Monopoly too loudly. A gated community that's safe and nice. A little bit obnoxious, but whatever. You don't even have to drive a car anymore if you don't want to. You can have people do that for you. You are now a part of the rich and privileged. Embrace it. No, I'm going to throw a party with all my friends and invite a bunch of losers over that are going to rob me. And then we're going to arm up and go over there and threaten to kill them and steal all their stuff and throw my entire life away. Because I'm too dumb to recognize that where I am is better than where I came from. And it's okay to leave that in the past. These guys have 
amazing lives. They have done amazing things. And they're still looking back saying, man, I used to be cool. I don't want people to think I'm soft. I'm still hard. Cruising around in his car, listening to I'm still Jenny on the block. No, you're not Jenny from the block. Get out of my face. You're a spoiled rich girl who doesn't even have to bathe herself anymore. And that's fine. It's great that you have people that blow your nose for you. Congratulations. But stop looking back and talking, oh, I'm still cool. That makes you dumb. I I just, I don't. And, And it brings me to a point where I don't have any remorse. Am I supposed to feel bad for you? You deserve to be locked up for being this dumb. For being this pathetic. You live the dream that millions of people would love to to live. You're living a life that millions of people have fought and scratched for, and you've been able to get there. And you're going to throw it away because I used to be cool. I don't want people to think I'm not cool anymore. All right, fine. You can show everybody in prison how tough you are now. Congratulations. Now you don't have to worry about the blight of being rich, the blight of having a great life. The blight of being able to retire at 32 years old. You poor thing. I'm glad that that strain is off of your life now. I'm glad you'll never have to worry about living a life like that. I'm so sorry for your suffering, and I'm so glad that, that, that you have now turned the corner. And none of your old friends will wonder if you got soft, because now you're in prison. And we all know that you're real hard, although... <laughs> Again, when you see people lash out like that, it doesn't make me... My first thought usually isn't, wow, he's tough. It's like Eminem for 50 years crying about his ex-girlfriend. I'm sorry, but tough isn't the first thing that comes to mind. Emotionally weak is the first thing that comes to mind. Sensitive, fragile, soft. You're going to throw your whole life away because somebody hurt your feelings? Because your fragile ego is going to get shattered? You're soft, weak, and pathetic. And now you get to spend the rest of your time in jail. And when you get out of jail, you can go find a job like the rest of us. Congrats. Way to go. And you know what? Nobody's going to learn from this. Because you're still going to have these football players who are going to go to Mexico and get a bunch of drugs so that they can start a, a, a some kind of illegal enterprise. You're still going to have guys walking around with guns. Some of these guys just, it's just, you know, I don't know. They're, they're soft. They're fragile. They're weak. They can't just embrace having a better life because the thought of people looking at them saying, oh, look, they're soft, just, they just can't handle it. So here we are again, and it will not be the last time. Did I mention I'm in a bit of a a mood? It is annoying, though. And by the way, that is a decent lesson. I know there are some younger people that listen to this. There is this idea, especially when you're young, especially, especially when you're a young man, that the right reaction is to lash out violently, instantly. There's a reason young people tend to do that more than when you get older. It's because when you're young, you're very fragile. It's the same with social media. People lash out on social media because they're just soft and fragile and weak, and they can't handle it. It hurts their feelings, so they lash out with anger. Then as you get older, you get a little bit more comfortable with yourself, and you stop being so scared of things and worried about things, and you tend to lash out less. Let that be a good barometer for you. Confidence is calm. Fear lashes out. Just saying. In other news, and I'm very glad that people are finally starting to see it, it was probably two years ago when I was doing my uh, mock draft channel, and I talked about, I mean, I've, I've been saying this for two, maybe three years, John Schneider's the worst GM in all of football, and everybody lashes, and I, I couldn't believe it, that people would actually lash out at me. People would not, especially Seahawks fan, fans, acknowledge that he's a good GM, and a lot of Packer fans, because Schneider is an ex-Packer, and they remember the Legion of Boom. And so he, he's, he's, he's kind of like Ted Thompson, but to a much 
worse extent. Ted Thompson was given respect long after he was due respect and given credit for drafts that were not very good just because of who he is. Schneider had one of the best drafts, single drafts, of all time, and he has been riding that horse for like a decade now, despite being literally one of the worst GMs of all time. And I keep banging the drum, and I keep banging the drum. You know how I am. Especially when people push back on me, I'm just going to bang it louder. Just like when I said Trubisky was not a good quarterback, and I kept getting pushback from Bears fans and Packer fans. Oh, no, 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 he took a step. He, no, no, I mean, he's not great, but he did. He definitely took No, he didn't. He's still garbage. Guess what? He was still garbage. I was proven right. Ha, 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 ha. For years, I've been saying John Schneider is a terrible GM. Suddenly, everybody is starting to say it. Thank you, world, for finally starting to turn on this man. He needs to... I mean, I, I, I shouldn't want him to leave because I don't want Seattle to be a threat. I want them to ruin those years of Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson has been Aaron Rodgers for a long time and has not gotten the credit. And by that, I mean he has nothing. He has had less than Aaron Rodgers and has dragged this team. I've been saying probably for three or four years that this team is headed for a decline and they just keep winning because of Russell Wilson. Well, there is a rumor now that um, the Seattle Seahawks had considered trading and offered to trade Russell Wilson for a Browns 2018 first-round pick. (sighs) I mean, can you imagine even being that dumb? If I'm John Schneider, I'm at least going to have the ability to see what's in front of me. If I'm John Schneider and I'm doing this terrible of a job to where I'm looking at a team that is just garbage. However, I've got a quarterback that makes me look good every single year. Because every year... Nobody can really come to me and say, look at what you've done. This is a disaster because we still go to the playoffs. We go to the playoffs every year. What are you talking about? I'm doing a great job. This guy is trying to commit career suicide. The only thing that keeps this team afloat is Russell Wilson dragging this bag of dead bones around. There's nothing left. Everything is gone. They've never had an offensive line. They really, I mean, maybe now they've got some decent wide receivers if, um... Lockett doesn't completely fall off, and DK Metcalf stays somewhat decent. Maybe this is one of his better wide receiver groups, but he's had decent enough wide. It's probably on par, because he's lost guys as well. Doug Baldwin was his number one for a long time, and he's gone. The defense has been decimated, because literally it was the Legion of Boom years, and since then he's done almost nothing. I know that like a year or two later he added a couple undrafted free agents, which I have a lot less respect for if you just pay for somebody to come over than if you actually draft somebody. But he added a couple pieces. But it is it, it is eroded down to nothing because he's done nothing. And he's also he's been the laughingstock of the, 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 the draft community for a long time because as much as the Packers' draft picks are unpredictable, Seattle is taking t- nonsense. Every single first-round draft I mean, you know, Packer fans are upset because every pick in this draft was somebody they felt could have been taken later every first round draft pick by the seattle seahawks is a late second early third round pick every single one of them and none of them pan out his drafts are abysmal and this team has eroded down to nothing and now there is a rumor that the only good thing about this entire team is his quarterback and he tried to trade him away now there's also a storyline to where the browns what in the world are you doing not accepting that presumably seattle wanted to trade Cleveland for the number one pick so that they can get a quarterback. I don't know which one it would have been, but there, there, there's no answer that would justify trading Russell Wilson. They could have gotten Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. I mean, the only answer that would have made sense that would have justified this is Lamar Jackson. 
but they had the opportunity to draft Lamar Jackson at the 27th pick, and they didn't do it. They took Rashad Penny. Cleveland declined Russell Wilson and took Baker Mayfield. Now, I've, I mean, I've said it before. It's, it's a benefit to the Packers to have franchises like this that are so terrible. And it's hard, it's weird to say this about Seattle because you feel like Seattle's a, a pretty good franchise since they got Schneider, but literally the only good thing about this franchise is the fact that they had one good draft. If it wasn't for that one good draft, they would have had Schneider and his terrible drafts continuing a tradition of terrible football teams in Seattle. One good draft has led to all of this. More specifically, one really, really, really good quarterback that was kind of a fluke, because when did he get taken? Like the third round? How much credit do you even give a team for that? They obviously didn't know he was going to be anywhere near this good, or he would have gone in the first round. It's just, it just baffles me. And again, it just makes me happy, because I think finally people are starting to recognize what has been painfully obvious for a very long time, that John Schneider has got to be maybe the worst GM ever. And he keeps his job, despite just doing a horrific job with that team. Horrific job with that team. I just, I just, I don't think people realize it, too. Again, as I've said, and maybe this was on my draft channel, I don't know where or when I say the things that I say. Sometimes I just say it in my head, and I feel like I said it on the podcast. I don't remember. But as I have said, I don't think people realize how bad this team is. Everybody just thinks Seattle, they still have a very good defense, they still have a really good offense. You know, you just see the success that they have, and people just think, oh yeah, this is, I mean, they're still a good team. It's not that bad. I mean, they could use a little bit of offensive line help, but I mean, this is a good team. No! I'm telling you, this team is horrible and to, and the worst part about it all is that they had such a great team and all schneider had to do was draft guys that could replace these players as they left because eventually everybody leaves he's drafted zero replacements and the funny thing is via C- uh, pff seattle was only on top defensively one year 2013 that's it that was the only it was, it was a one year thing not not one year where they had a good defense but there was only one year where they were the best defense, and they were marginally better than the 49ers that year. The amount of credit this man gets for nothing is ridiculous. But he had all these years to replace, for example, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Who did he replace him with? Nobody. He got Quandre Diggs from Detroit, and that's it. The only other starter they have right now is Bradley McDougald, who is a 2013 undrafted free agent, and he's not a good football player. They had Bobby Wagner, Bruce Irvin... Um, Malcolm Smith, K.J. Wright. Those were their linebackers. Who has he gotten as a replacement? Nobody. Because Wagner and K.J. Wright are still the top two guys. K.J. Wright has not been a good football player basically since 2013. Bobby Wagner in 2018 was still an elite linebacker, but it looks like he's maybe coming down to earth a little bit now that he's 30 years old. Again, all you have to do is find a replacement. Who have you found as a replacement? Since 2013, when you had four really good linebackers, who have you found as a replacement? This year they drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round. That was their big thing. Okay, well, we'll see. At least he's trying. Granted, the entire draft community is laughing hysterically at you. But, you know, at least you did something. Because, you know, Cody Barton isn't super panning out. Ben Burkirvin is a terrible linebacker. They used to have Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill off the edge. Dominant edge rush duo. They now have LJ Collier... And Bruce Irvin, L.J. Collier, another first-round pick, who was one of the worst edge rushers in the NFL last year. Horrifically bad. Really, really, really bad. And Bruce Irvin has never really been that good. He was another first-round pick in, uh, this was in 2012. So, again, he's another guy that's been around, wildly overrated because he's played for the Seattle Seahawks. 
He is now 33 years old and he's still hanging around because there's no other option. They did try to get LJ Collier last minute. And again, terrible, terrible, terrible football player. That year, they had uh, Brandon Meebane, one of the better interior defensive linemen. The other guy was Tony McDaniel. Meebane had an 88 overall grade. Tony McDaniel had a 72 overall grade. It was a great duo on the inside, although nobody ever talked about him. But they did really well. Now they have Benson Mayoa and Jerron Reed. Jerron Reed, a second-round pick that has not panned out at all. He's been kind of terrible. Benson Mayoa was taken as an undrafted free agent by the Seattle Seahawks, and he's there because there's no other options because these guys are terrible. Literally last year, their best defensive lineman was Puna Ford. He was ranked 47th out of 115 defensive linemen. Puna Ford. And then, of course, you had the cornerbacks. Jeremy Lane, Byron Maxwell, Richard Sherman. It's a great group. Headed up by Richard Sherman, obviously, who was probably the best corner in the NFL that year. What have they done to replace any of that? Shaquille Griffin is decent. Nico Thorpe. Trey Flowers is terrible. Hugo Amadi has been terrible. Lyndon Stevens is terrible. So what does he do? What does this guy who has no ability to draft do? He goes out and he pays a lot of money for somebody. Just like he did last year when he paid a lot of money to go out and get Jadavian Clowney, which was ridiculous. Because you've got so many holes, but hey, at least we're going to have one good edge rusher, right? Which doesn't actually help you win a team because you have to build an offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, quarterback, defensive line, edge rusher, cornerback, linebacker, safety. you got to have a lot of these things figured out. You can't just plug one good edge rusher in a pile of garbage defenders and say, we're going to win a Super Bowl. That's not a plan, but that's what this guy does because he doesn't know what else to do. So this year he goes out and gets Quentin Dunbar. He was the number two overall corner. Now, even if this guy wasn't headed to prison for a long time, the odds of him maintaining that level of play are pretty low. But it doesn't matter because he wants to look like a good GM by bringing in quality players. And now he can say, look, I got Quentin Dunbar and Shaquille Griffin. It's a good cornerback group. He's done nothing. And he has allowed one of the best defenses to erode down to nothing. And he's added nothing. I mean, it would be one thing if he at least built up the offense. If the defense eroded while he was building up this offensive line or, or something, fine. But he went out and drafted a running back who's sitting on the bench because he can't beat Chris Carson, who is a seventh-round pick. He's been swinging at offensive linemen and has not done anything to draft a single offensive lineman that can play football. So what does he do? He went out and paid for Dwayne Brown. So now they have one good offensive lineman, 35-year-old Dwayne Brown, because he doesn't know how to draft. So he just goes and pays for other people's talent and overpays for them. The only potentially good draft that, draft pick that he's had in a long time is DK Metcalf. whoop de do fire the man. And look, I, I well, what about the Packers? Th- th- this is all about football. This is all about doing things the right way. And by the way, it does go very much to the importance of drafting replacement player. It's not just about biggest need. The fact of the matter is Seattle, if you look at Seattle now, if you'd have looked at Seattle back in 2014-15, you're looking at, okay, we need this, we need that, we need a wide receiver, we need all this stuff. The fact of the matter is, though, this defense in, in a matter of, you know, four or five years when these guys start wanting more money, we're not going to be able to afford all of them. So you know there's going to be a massive exodus of defensive players. Basically, starting four years from now, every single year guys are going to be leaving because we can only retain some and we can't retain all of them. And every year somebody's going to get more expensive and we, we're just going to be continually losing players. Having that foresight and saying we got to get guys that can come in and compete, guys that can come in and replace some of these players so that we can maintain this level of play. People hate the Rashawn Gary pick until it becomes evident that Preston Smith isn't going to be here much more than another year or two. And if Rashawn Gary can really step up and Zadarius is here for, you know, three more years, four more years, whatever, and then you got Rashawn taken over on the other side and you got this duo for several years and you're not paying Preston, that doesn't look so dumb anymore. 
right? The the fan draft pick of just get biggest need and get it right away, only get needs is is going to lead you to this. Now, granted, if you had actually hit on some of these needs, the team would be a little bit better, especially now that defense is a need. But this is what happens when you don't find replacement player. Elite edge rushers are now Collier and Irvin, garbage group. They have a garbage defensive line. I mean, terrible. I would be surprised if there are five teams with a worse defensive line than Seattle. Now that Dunbar is not going to be playing this year, they don't have good corners because Flowers is terrible. Griffin is decent, but I don't even—I don't even know who's gonna, who else is gonna step in here. I mean, I guess it's gonna be Trey Flowers and Shaquille Griffin again. With Trey Flowers being a—I mean, he wasn't even in the top 100 out of 112 corners. He was 101 out of 112, is what Trey Flowers was. That's—that's that's their cornerback group. Again, I'm just—I'm just laying it out for what it is. And so again, I understand it's frustrating when you draft a running back and you've already got running backs, but we understand also that there's a very good possibility after this year we might be losing some running backs. It's frustrating to draft a quarterback when we already have a quarterback, but in two, three, maybe four years, we might not have one. And, and if we don't get a quarterback that can replace this guy, we're headed toward who knows how many years or decades of doom. It's frustrating to draft a tight end when we just drafted Sternberger, but we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we got a linebacker, and we need a linebacker, so that pick makes sense. We don't necessarily like the pick. Some do, some don't. I don't care for it. But that's what we want all the way down the line, right? We already have an offensive What do we need offensive linemen for? Well, same thing. It's kind of halfway between a need and, it, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a need now. It is definitely a need in the future. That is true for running back. That is true for offensive line. That is true for quarterback. Well, quarterback isn't really a need right now, but it's definitely a need in the future. Hate the picks all you want. But the fact of the matter is, when you're able to seamlessly transition, it feels a lot better, right? Moving on from Mike Daniels and having Kenny Clark makes us feel a little bit better than if we had just moved on from Mike Daniels and done nothing to replace it, and now we don't have any defensive linemen, right? When we got rid of, when, when geez, what was it, Josh Sitton and TJ Lang, there was a big exodus of offensive linemen, and Ted Thompson had done nothing to get any replacements. And essentially, what did he have to do? He had to go out and pay for people, and none of these guys were that, that good. And that left us in a bit of a bind. When we lost Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson and didn't have anything to replace him with, what did we do? We went out and paid for Jimmy Graham, and he wasn't very good, and that left us in a bit of a bind. But if we had drafted wide receivers, like in the first or second round, when we still had Devontae, Jordy, and Cobb, people would have lost their mind. What are you doing? Now we sit here saying, gee, I wish they would have done it. Again, there's nothing wrong. Ultimately, this is why you take best player available. Because if it's not a need today, it's going to be a need tomorrow. Very, very quickly, it's going to be a need. And so, essentially, Seattle is a case study of what not to do. It is just a every, every single thing you can do wrong, he's doing wrong. He's done nothing right. And Seattle hands, fans, for some reason, hate their head coach. And that baffles me as well, because essentially, in my mind, this is the New England Patriots, where you've got a great head coach and a great quarterback that are dragging this dead bag of bones through win after win after win, playoff appearance after playoff appearance after playoff appearance, getting no help from their GM, and people are dumping on your on the coach? Are you still mad about that call in the end zone to throw instead of run? I mean, yeah, that was pretty bad. But I'd be willing to bet you bring in another coach and this team is going to fall apart. Russell at least needs that much support. Anyways, as I've said now several times, be at least somewhat grateful that we have whether or not all these picks end up panning out or more than usual end up not being very good, at least we have guys that understand the correct way to do things. Whether or not you hit or miss, I mean, a lot of this is just hit or miss, man. Some of these teams are literally built on a couple good dress. See, uh, the, the Saints right now, and I mean, they, they do things the right way. They're a very good football team, but they went over that hump largely because they, they had some really good, I mean, you know, Alvin Kamara, and they're kind of riding high this wave of, of doing a really good job in the draft. Kansas City is only a thing 
because they used to have a really good GM that was good at drafting that got them a really good core, you know, had basically one really good draft, got, geez, what, like two good players, Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, and since then they're basically Super Bowl champions and and, and a great head coach. But I, again, I don't think that's going to last. All This is essentially a similar situation to Seattle. I think it's going to last as long as they keep the head coach and the quarterback in place. But it's slowly just going to deteriorate until they can find a GM that knows how to draft. But again, be grateful that you are a Packers fan. Because by default, they're going to be better than a lot of other teams. Because some of these teams are so wildly incompetent, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of mind-boggling. Kind of like, kind of mind-boggling. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break, and um, short on time, but I do want to talk about one other thing that I saw. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So let me start by saying I don't necessarily agree with this assessment, but I found it interesting because there's a lot of concern about, for some people more than others, myself especially, is Jordan Love going to become a very good quarterback? I mean, it needs to be a massive question for the Green Bay Packers. Not necessarily for this year or even next year or whatever, but, I mean, potential. The potential of being the next great quarterback is just, you know, so I, I just want to know. So when I saw an article via PFF essentially pointing out that the one big thing the Chicago Bears missed in evaluating Mitch Trubisky was the fact that in 2015... North Carolina, which is the college that Mitch Trubisky played for, Mitch Trubisky was a backup to Marquise Williams. He couldn't beat out Marquise Williams for the job. Marquise Williams won the job, and as the starting quarterback, North Carolina was 11-3. and They were ranked 15th overall in the final AP poll. The very next year, Mitch Trubisky took over. North Carolina dropped to 8-5. and Now, unlike um, Jordan Love, this was not a change in head coach. Looks like Quinshad Davis did leave, who had the most receptions, but Ryan Switzer uh, was still his wide receiver, who I think was better than Quinshad. So I don't necessarily think he lost a lot of talent. And and again, I don't necessarily agree with this because, you know, wins aren't a quarterback stat, but this is an interesting thing. They're looking at it, and again, you, you look at the talent, you look at Mitch Trubisky, and you can watch him on a play-to-play basis and say, this is a pretty talented quarterback. I mean, he's he's got the mobility. He's got decent accuracy. He's got a great down-the-field ball. But it's just, the guy's just not really a winner. 
A lot of that has to do with just wildly errant passes at really inopportune times. But if, I mean, if you look at his statistics, they were pretty solid. I mean, he had 30 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 157.9 uh, passer rating, passing efficiency rating, whatever. Threw for 3,748 yards, 68% completion percentage. So it's hard to say he was a bad football player. But it is interesting. And so I thought, all right, well, let's let's just play with it a little bit. Let's just look at it and see if there's something here. Because it is interesting from the standpoint of the Green Bay Packers prior to the draft had, had been asked, you know, you guys are possibly looking at quarterback. There's rumors that you guys want a quarterback. What are some of the things you look for in a quarterback? And Brian, Brian Gutekunst said to be a winner, which makes a lot of sense because that was actually my first thought about um, Deshaun Watson. My, the reason I really like Deshaun Watson, having never really watched him that much, is the fact that he went to the national championship game and they beat Alabama. I don't think they were expected to win. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But they went toe-to-toe to Alabama and he pulled off the win. That speaks volumes because there's a lot of quarterbacks with talent that just can't seem to find a way to win or they get into the playoffs and they fall apart. You got to be able to get over the hump. There are certain guys that just can't get that little bit of extra. And Deshaun Watson is one of those guys that when the game is on the line, that's when he's at his best. And I do think that's an important attribute. And for that reason, it is worthwhile looking at this. Now, again, you have to look at it by itself and it's possible Mitch Trubisky was dragging a team that just completely fell apart and the defense was terrible and all this who knows but just offensively they went from ninth in points per game to 44th the offense took a massive step back the defense more or less stayed the same so again what okay I mean the stats are there for Trubisky but it's not just the team went backwards the offense went back big and it is worth wondering about how a team changes quarterbacks and goes from ninth overall offensively to 44th. Now, you could easily see how you'd look at this and say, I'm not blaming the quarterback for that. But now, having watched Mitch Trubisky for some time, seeing a quarterback that does seem to have a bit of talent, and saying, you know, maybe he could have some better weapons, but he did, you know, when he first started, have a really good offensive line. They had a pretty good running back. He does have at least one really good wide receiver. The defense is out of control. Why aren't they winning more? And you realize that a lot of the time the the losses are squarely on Mitch Trubisky. And it's making those little mistakes at really inopportune time. Critical third down and he airmails the ball. Now that's that's a blip on on the overall statistics. One incompletion, everybody has a bunch of incompletions. He might even have less incompletions than a bunch of other other quarterbacks. But they come at really, really inopportune times. So there is something to be said about a guy that rises to the occasion and finds ways to win. And somebody that just can't seem to do it. And again, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, and I'm not willing to put in that much work to, to ask the question, what happened to North Carolina? Again, the stats seem to be there, but I don't think it's, 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 it's nothing when you drop to 44th in the polls, drop to 8-5, and five, and drop to 44th on offense. So if we go back to 2016, the year prior to Jordan Love coming on board, the Utah State Aggies in 2016 were 3-9. and nine. They were ranked 108th out of 128 schools. Their in-conference record was 1-7. and seven. They were 108th out of 128 on offense. So legitimately one of the worst teams in all of college football. In 2017, that was Jordan Love's first year. And he basically split with Kent Myers. Kent Myers had 124 completions. Jordan Love had 129 completions. And they were both relatively equally... Their stats were very similar. Jordan Love threw about 400 more yards. So yards per attempt were significantly higher. But the completion percentage was lower. They both had eight touchdowns. Kent Myers had seven picks. Jordan Love had six. So they basically split it down the middle, but the record went up to six and seven. 
Offensively, they jumped to 51st overall. It's a pretty big jump. In 2018, Jordan Love wins the job outright. Completes 64% of his passes for 3,500 yards, 8.6 yards per attempt, 32 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 158.3 passer rating. That's better than Mitch Trubisky did at his best. Utah State was 11-2. Two years prior, they were a three-win team. They were one of the worst teams in football. The next year, Jordan Love takes over halfway through the year. They end up winning six games. And then in 2018, Jordan Love takes over. They are 11-2, ranked 8th out of 130 schools. They are second in on offense. Second out of 130 schools, they're second. 47.5 points per game. They were 108th two years ago. Their defense, by the way, was ranked 33rd. Definitely an improvement over the last couple of years, but the idea that the defense is the reason this happened is nonsense. Again, second best offense in all of college football. Their record was 11-2. and two. And their two, their two losses came to ranked teams. 11th ranked Michigan State, 21st ranked Boise State, every other team they beat. BYU, Wyoming, San Jose State, Colorado State, they beat all of them. And by the way, and I don't know if you've seen it, it is a very good game. They almost beat Michigan State week one. Michigan State, 31-38 to was the final in that. They ended up losing in the next week when they went to play New Mexico State. Utah State won 60-13. to So I thought it was weird when I looked up Jordan Love's stats, and in fact, when I heard Gutekunst say, he wants somebody that is a winner. I'm thinking somebody who goes to a bowl game and wins a bowl game. And I looked at 2019, and this is a team that is seven and six. The offense is 64th. They played in a, a the the Frisco Bowl and lost. So I'm thinking there's no way they want Jordan Love. He's not a winner of anything. But in 2018, they played in the New Mexico Bowl against North Texas and beat them 52 to 13. So again, I understand 2019 is problematic for a lot of people and for good reason. But again, comparing to Mitch Trubisky, it's it's just there's not a lot of actual comparisons you can make outside of looking at 2019, seeing those inopportune interceptions and saying, eh, that's what makes me nervous. But again, even the interceptions are different. And to be honest, who, who knows what would have happened if the Packers got Mitch Trubisky and allowed him to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for two years. That also is a different aspect. I think Jordan Love is a very different quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, and he's going to be able to sit for a couple years to iron out some of these issues as opposed to being thrust into this seat right away, which does ruin some quarterbacks. So again, I don't I don't generally agree with that overall assessment that, you know, when Trubisky took over, the team went backwards, therefore it's Trubisky's fault. There's there's it's possible, but I need more in depth information than that. But there's definitely something to be said about a quarterback if you're actually analyzing it. There are situations where quarterbacks will will play better in, in when you know when the lights are brightest. And they will push and they will fight and they, they will scratch. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. The, the, the guy is incredible. They don't lose in the playoffs because of Aaron Rodgers. They lose despite Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, you look at, I don't know, like Andy Dalton, Matt Stafford. These are guys that, you know, they, they've, they've got the talent to get there, but it's just they're, they're never going to go anywhere from there. They don't have that extra little something. And for that reason, if you want that extra quality, it is hard to look at Mitch Trubisky and say, you know, y- you kind of took the same team backwards in a big way. As far as I can see, just about everything, with the exception of maybe losing one wide receiver, stayed in place. You guys didn't run quite as well, but you, you could make the argument that Jordan Love turned this franchise, or even in 2019 when things were terrible, it's still 7-6. and six. I mean, that's that's still 2014 since they were that good, when they went 10-4. and four. So new coach, entirely new offensive line, basically an entirely new team, new offensive system, and they dropped to 7-6, and six, which is still one of the better records they've had since 2014. Jordan Love without any question at all, made this team better. So, anyways, I found that a little bit interesting. 
But I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I'll talk to you all probably tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.